Let the fight begin! Welcome to It's Real to Us, the Wrestling Podcast. Featuring your hosts, Anthony Passiello, Nate Diggity Dog, and Tony the Fox. What's going on, you guys? And welcome to It's Real to Us, the Wrestling Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to review and discuss the November 20th edition of Monday Night Raw. We're also going to talk a little news and give our Survivor Series predictions. Now, if you missed Raw this past week, I get it. We all got stuff going on. So, don't worry about it, because Nate Diggity Dog, Tony the Father, and yours truly have you covered with the fastest Raw recap. Monday Night Raw kicked off with a raucous crowd booing Drew Carey McIntyre, but it didn't matter because the price was right for the Scotsman to align himself with the Judgment Day. As the men's Survivor Series teams came face to face, Adam kept the pierce while also reminding the babyfaces that they need to find a fifth war game team member by the end of the night. In a titanic battle, Raw's first match saw Nia Jax versus Raquel Benny the Jet Rodriguez. After hurting her back, Raquel tried to steal the win with a colossal power slam, but the irresistible force was too much woman for Raquel to handle. Nia Jack picks up a clean win. Didn't we all pick Raquel to win this match? When the fuck did we have ice cream? Next up, Becky Lynch and Zia Lee. Push, Push it, it to, to the, the limit, yeah. yeah! This was a really fun match. But Zaya never stood a chance. They pushed, pushed it, it to the, the limit. Yeah. yeah. Becky Lynch picks up a hard-fought win before an all-out brawl ensues between the women's war games team. Ludwig Kaiser Soze was out to convince the world he didn't exist in the shadow of Giovanni Vinci, who was ordered to stay backstage. Now, while Johnny Knoxville Gargano made Ludwig look like a jackass for that decision, Kaiser did find himself in a position to win the match. But that quickly changed once Giovanni appeared at ringside and cost his Imperium stablemate the win. Johnny Gargano defeats Ludwig Kaiser. We saw four teams enter and one team leave with a chance at the WWE Women's Tag Team titles. Mad Maxine Dupree and Ivy Nile stole the show, and to that we must say, oh, thank you. But it was the vegan Knox who totally killed the vibe by lecturing me about eating a chicken wing. Like, who does that? Natalia and Tegan Knox pick up the win. Like Rodney Dangerfield, I tell you, the Miz gets no respect from Gunther. The Intercontinental Champion said the Miz was exactly like us, weirdos who needed to be bullied and shoved into lockers. It's not the first time I've heard that, and I'm sure it won't be the last. But with us weirdos firmly behind the Miz and his massive elephant balls... That one might be a little questionable, Tony. The A-lister hit a low blow before dropping the champ with a skull-crushing finale. Chad Billingsley Gable was on the mound hoping to prevent the Alpha Academy from getting swept by Shinsuke Nakamura. The artist had an answer for everything Chad threw at him, but after a costly error by Master Gable, Nakamura capitalized to pick up the win. And in our main event, Jey Uso was looking to give Drew McIntyre a yeet down. Yeet, yeet, yeet. And earn his Survivor Series team the War Games advantage. But after Drew, Marty McFly, McIntyre went back to the Future Shock DDT, Jey Uso was stranded in 1985 with a loss. McIntyre picks up the clean win. Bates Scott Captain, I've given it all she's got. <laughs> then after the War Games teams got physical, Cody Rhodes announced the fifth member of the team would be none other than the returning Randy Orton. 
Yeah! War Games! War Games! War Games! That was the fastest Raw recap. As a reminder, you can find us on X and Instagram at It's Real to Us. I'm Anthony Passiello. So happy to have you with us. Joined, of course, as always, by Nate Diggity Dog. Whoop, whoop, whoop. What's up, guys? And, we, of course, we've got Tony, the father. What's happening? Nice. You remembered to say something this time. Oh, yes. The last time I forgot. Do you know what that means? That's evolution. That's how we grow this show. No, it's Alzheimer's uh, uh, coming on. <laughs> it's Alzheimer's, not Alzheimer's. Yeah, old timers. Old timers. Okay, great. Dementia. And making his "It's Real to Us" debut. Nathan, Woo-woo! can I get a drum roll, please? <laughs> Michael Passiello. Yeah, baby. You say Mikey P. Mikey P. All right, we'll let him decide. Michael, would you like to be referred to as Michael Passiello or Mikey P going forward? I, I don't really have much of a preference. Pretty glad to be here, though. You can call me Mikey P if you like. That. I like Mikey P. Mikey P. If Mikey P in the house. All right. Word. Word. Word to your mother. Word? My word. mother? Uh, well, both of your mothers. Our you mother? take that back. <laughs> what did he say? What did he say? He said word to our mothers. They have different mothers. No, they do not. How do you know? You know what? I don't know. I just assumed they were brothers. Hey, I was a player, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it is Thanksgiving week, and we, we were talking a little bit about Thanksgiving last episode. Nate, you mentioned you're going to Long Island, but you didn't mention what you were bringing. Are you bringing anything? Uh, so Amy is bringing stuff for, for her and for me, so it's from both of us. The big fruit bowl. Just a bunch of fruit and so everything. So you're the kid in the class who doesn't do anything for the class project and shows up and gets an A. Yes, basically. Okay. I love, I love that role. All it's right. a great role. Mike, Someone has to play it. It is a good role, and you are fit to do it. Thank you. He's driving down there in traffic. Wait, what time are you leaving? You said one? I think probably one. I kind of want to watch some of the football games. Yeah, though. so you get there about three. You'll eat, maybe desserts, 5, 5.30, and then what time are you leaving? Uh, hopefully by six. There you go. It's my man, Nate. Appreciate so, it, Tony. So what are we going to bring, Mike? Or we, I think we were talking about it. I think we're, are we going to do a buffalo chicken dip? We can't do a buffalo chicken dip. Why? We're going with old people. What do you mean we're going with so, old people? So what? <laughs> Nobody's going to eat it, I feel. I'll eat it. I ate it last time. I, uh, what's well, that Michael. stuff in there? It starts with a Arlene, C. Arlene, Elliot. They were going to listen to this, by the way, and then they're going to realize that you call you, you like. I just don't think it's them for old. them. Uh, Elliot is old. I, I think every time... <laughs> I think every time we've brought it, everybody's always loved it. I want cornflakes with my cheesy potatoes. So It's a tradition. So you want Michael to make the cheesy potatoes? Yes. He made it twice, two years in a row. Michael, on It's Real to Us, your debut, can you commit to making the cheesy potatoes? Well, I, I, do you want to know what's in it? Cornflakes, potatoes, and cheese. So it's a frozen bag of Denny's hash browns, and you just smash That's even that. better. And then you get a cream of mushroom. But it was delicious, though. Sounds like a heart attack waiting to happen. It does sound pretty vile. He made the buffalo chicken dip last time, and that was good. I made the buffalo chicken dip Oh, you with did him. it? We both did. You put the Frank sauce in it? Yeah. He is a buffalo chicken savant. I've made it for the last, I think, three Thanksgivings, or maybe three holidays. A couple of Christmases, definitely a few book clubs I've made my buffalo chicken dip. I do it all the time, so. I have to bring the dessert. So I got to go, probably going to go to Rockland Bakery. Maybe I should go to Carousel Cakes. You think Rockland Bakery would sponsor us? No, no chance. Wait, stop using their names. (laughs) (laughs) What? I'll go in there and get money. The bakery down the street. (laughs) I told you David will give me 50 bucks to mention Bordeaux Oriental. Is that, will he actually do that? I talked to him about it. He'll do it. They got his lunch special with spare ribs and rice. We're going to put a little pin in the Bardonia Oriental sponsorship ad. Yes, I've talked to him about it, but I have not seen any cash yet. Okay. 
Until I do. No mention of Sparrows. <laughs> okay. No All mention right. of Sparrows. We won't. But for now, I am thinking that we just move on to the Monday Night Raw breakdown. Sure. Whenever, whenever yeah, you're ready, it. buddy. I, 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 I'm in. I, I'm pumped. Okay. I'm pumped, too. Mikey P's in the house. Yeah, hell yeah. Yes, sir. Monday Night Raw Breakdown. Breakdown. All right, we're talking Monday Night Raw, and specifically what we're talking about is the fact that Randy Orton is back, baby. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. A fight bar. I hear voices in my head. They, they talk, talk to me. me. They understand. They, they talk, talk to me. me. Sound like you were constipated. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little bit of the tone in the theme song. But I am, yeah, you kind of have. I hear voices yeah. <laughs> in my head. You, you constantly. I think I should sing. I yeah. should be a singer. No, you shouldn't. Let's go ahead and paint the scene, okay? Because after Drew McIntyre defeated Jey Uso to win the Judgment Day, the Survivor Series War Games Advantage, it was announced that Randy Orton will make his triumphant return <laughs> when he teams with Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn, and Jey Uso inside War Games at Survivor Series. The 14-time champion is back. It's been 550 days since we've seen him. So just first off, how does it feel to have Randy Orton? Oh back? my God! Thank you. We have him back finally. I've been waiting for so long. Yeah, Anthony. Randy's a fantastic piece. You could use him at any level. It seems like at this point in his game. God answered my prayers. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys are being a little hyperbolic. But seriously, this not is not really. He's a star. He's a superstar. What has Randy done that hasn't like? been in the scene of excellence no he's fantastic I, I agree with you so we're all just on the same page just overwhelming support and excitement to see him oh absolutely yeah it's gonna be electrifying i can't wait gonna be electrifying okay well then let me ask you this although it's exciting to have randy orton back how did you feel about the manner in which it was presented that he was going to be back? Oh, absolutely hated it. Hated it. It was the worst thing in the world you announced that randy is the fifth team member we can't even get his music or a video of him on the Jumbotron or something. They let the cat out of the bag because they were worried about Chicago CM Punk. All his fans were going to be there pumped up, ready to hear CM Punk, and he doesn't come out. It would have been a major letdown. So what they did, they announced Randy without showing him. So everybody in the arena beforehand knows. Yeah, I agree, but we couldn't have had him via satellite or something. Or he comes out and RKO's uh, Damian Priest or something. That would have been awesome. I understand why you would want to announce, like you were saying, Tony, Randy Orton being in the match beforehand. You want to kill all the CM Punk speculation. Totally understand that. But why can't we see him before War Games? Do you think it's because WWE thinks that the overall pop will just be bigger seeing him for the first time at Survivor Series? No, they ruined it. It's like it's your birthday party. And it's a surprise party. And the day before, you find out. Drunk. Wrecked. I, I agree. 100%. Drunk it. I, I think if you're going to announce it on Monday night, Randy had to be there to get that pop. Now you lost the pop. I think online, all the hype, everybody was getting pumped for CM Punk. And it, because it's in his hometown in Chicago, they felt like, you know what? Let's just let, let everybody know now. So we'll just take all that pressure off. Yeah, they just played it safe. You like that they played it safe, though? I'm not, like, offended by it. Okay, see, that's where we differ. I'm offended. You're offended? I'm offended. I, I'm so mad. We've been waiting for Randy. We oh, yeah, let me tickle your balls a little more now. Yeah, exa that's exactly what it is. All I'm saying is that they did it 
half-assed. You didn't get a pop from it, really. You're not going to get a pop from it at War Games because people already know he's going to be there. got a pop. It wasn't like a... It didn't get a real pop. Anytime, No, because Cody Rhodes goes like, I've got a legacy with this guy. They're like, oh, my God, is he talking about Randy Orton? And he goes like, this guy hears voices and he's like, oh, he's talking about Randy Orton. Finn, by the way, was the funniest part in that whole segment. He was like, who's he talking about? (laughs) (laughs) This is absolutely correct. Is it possible they just trying to... Do a major twist. No, he was already announced. He's on the graphic. He's going to be there. I just think that they played it safe, like Michael said, and it's just time to get Randy Orton back. But now there are a couple of things we need to talk about as it pertains to the actual match itself. First and foremost, Randy Orton was injured uh, over a year and a half ago by the Usos. Now, come Survivor Series, he's going to be inside War Games with main event Jey Uso. Do you guys foresee a problem between the two? As we saw with Drew McIntyre and Jey Uso, Drew obviously hasn't gotten over his issues with Jay. so why should Randy get over his issues with Jay? If you were Randy Orton, would you have an issue still with Jay? Of course you would. No, I wouldn't. What are you, Gandhi? Jay is completely different from what he was a year and a half ago. He's a different competitor. He has shown that he knows he made mistakes and he's trying to make amends for all these mistakes. But he's not. He didn't apologize to Drew McIntyre, which is why McIntyre still felt yeah. so much hostility towards him. He's like, Jay Uso's walking around here like he did nothing wrong. I didn't get an did apology. Did he not also cost Cody the title at WrestleMania? No, he did, yeah. Yeah, and... What ended up happening? They became tag team champions. Cody obviously can let bygones be bygones. And why can't Randy? Well, Drew can't, so I'm saying you have these two different examples. You have one with Cody and one with Drew. Cody was able to forgive and forget. Drew wasn't. Is Randy more like Cody where he's going to forgive and forget? Or is Randy more like Drew where he's going to kind of be pissed? Randy could come back as Randy to the heel or Randy to face. You don't know. I don't think Randy Orton's in story here going to come back and be like, oh, yeah, Jay. I've been gone for 550 days. Year and a half. Year and a half, we'll say. Long time. And be like, oh, yeah, I was gone because of you. We're good. You see on Raw when Cody Rhodes is alluding to the Viper and the crowd's all going nuts. And everybody in the ring's happy. And you got Jay leaning on the rope, giving the eye over there like, oh, shit. I remember him. They're already planting the seeds. Jay and Randy are going to have a moment inside War Games. You're going to have Jay, Sammy, Seth, and Cody in the ring. Randy's music's going to hit, and then you're going to have a stare down between Jay and Randy. It's going to happen. And, Nate, the fact that you think it's not going to happen just means you have no idea who Randy Orton is. It's not that I think he'll be fine with it. This was a year and a half ago, and Jay is a different person. He's a different character than what he was a year and a half ago. But Randy hasn't been here to see the transformation or growth. Why why would he care? Not only a TV set? I mean, he could watch it on TV. I mean, what's going on here? I mean, is he not watching WWE programming while he's out? Nate's very forgiving. Nate, do you really think Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, and Jey Uso are going to hold hands and sing We Are The World? Drew McIntyre McIntyre clearly won't, but I... Why not Randy? Because he put him on he put him on the sidelines That's for a year, a year and, and a half. half ago, and it was Randy hey, was Nate. part of the bloodline. Hey, He's not part of the bloodline right. anymore. Uh, let me ask you a question, Nate. Okay, can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. Let's say tomorrow you're standing outside, and by accident, my car breaks your friggin' leg. <laughs> okay. So let's say you end up being in a hospital for a year. When you get out and you see me, are you gonna run over and give me a kiss? I'm not going to give you a kiss, but I'll say, hello, how are you? You wouldn't have any animosity towards me? Behind your back, probably. Not in front of you. I mean, he's trying to win a match. You're totally wrong on this one. I I don't think I am. Cody brought him in to win this match, to end the judgment day. And then after the match, okay, RKO him. There you go. Why can't both of those things happen? They brought Drew McIntyre in. Why? To win war games? Yeah. Okay, but why did Drew want to come in? Because of Jay. How do you know Randy doesn't want to come in because of... 
Jay. Ooh, that's a good point. We'll do our predictions later, but what are your expectations with Randy Orton inside War Games? So he's, this is his first match, like I said, in a year and a half, and what could we expect to see? I mean, WWE, I mean, they got some balls. This guy comes back after a year and a half being on the shelf, and you're going to throw him into War Games, his first match? Two rings with a steel cage, anything goes. Wouldn't you want Randy's first match to be like a one-on-one, like easy type of match? You're throwing him into the fire here. I think it's a good match for him. Right away? That's reason number one. Randy's coming back from an injury. Let's put him in a match and have people question, can he do it? which I think he's going to be able to. I think he's been training for a return for a while. I think he's ready to go. It can also bury him a little bit, five on five. He doesn't have to be the focus for the whole match. He could just do in and out, do his spots, couple here, couple there. Yeah, that's a great point. And not to mention like a bad part that happened in a war game styled match, but in AEW, their version of Blood and Guts, they had a wrestler named Santana. He tore his ACL in the match, and like they were able to like hide him away from the whole match without people knowing. Even in like... A bad situation where Randy can't do anything. I think WWE's productions could be able to like cut around it, mask it. Yeah, no, I remember when Triple H broke his collarbone inside Elimination Chamber. He'll just hang around the ring and kind of just crawl. I want to put the line at three and a half RKOs. You taking the under? Or you taking the over? Oh, I gotta take the over. I'm taking the over too. I want to take the over, but I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under three and a half. All right, cool. We got two and two. So let's leave it there. Uh, we're gonna I mean, talk. There's five and- team members. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> One for each of them. Absolutely. It's in the bag. Easy. All right, we're going to leave that there. We're going to give our prediction for that entire match a little later on when we do our Survivor Series recap. But for now, I want to talk about Drew McIntyre. So last week, McIntyre shocked everyone when he made a deal with Rhea Ripley to join Judgment Day inside War Games. Now, why did he do this? It's to get his hands on Jay Uso. Jay Uso cost Drew McIntyre the WWE Championship a number of times when he was a part of the bloodline. So my question for you guys is, do you blame Drew for making this deal with Rhea Ripley, or would you have done the same thing in his shoes? I would have done the same thing if I was Drew. It's a way to get back at everybody. Not only does he not like he's got issues with Jay, he ain't fans of the Judgment Day, period. He don't like Finn Balor. He don't. He hates Damian Priest. Yeah, they don't like each other, but they have a common enemy at the moment. Is there a chance he's still not over Seth Rollins? I think he is over Seth Rollins because everything that Drew has done, it, it hasn't been nefarious. He, he hasn't been heelish. And two weeks ago, we saw him shake Seth Rollins' hand, say, you were the better man, and then I'm going to fight my way to get back to a championship opportunity. Can we get Chosen Dreams Drew to come out at uh, Survivor Series? Maybe. He did that his, would be cool. He, he did his uh, Future Shock DDT to pick up a win this week, which right. is what the heel Drew McIntyre did back in the day. But that leads me to my next question. Is Drew McIntyre a heel right now? He basically said during his promo to open the show, those of you who don't support me don't understand who I am. I am the same Drew McIntyre today as I was months ago. And don't you believe him when he says that? The biggest moment of his career at Clash at the Castle was ruined by the bloodline. Ever since then, he's had to watch as other superstars have captured their moment, and his moment and his time has kind of seemed to come and go. So the frustration... You definitely understand it, and you definitely sympathize with it. I don't think he's a heel. I understand where he's coming from. I I totally do, too. And it's not like Jay made uh, amends with Drew like he did with Sammy. You know, Sammy and Jay were close in the bloodline, so Sammy was able to forgive Jay because he loves Jay. Drew doesn't care about Jay. And Jay don't care about Drew. I got news for you. 
He didn't come out and say, listen, I'm sorry, Drew, you're right. He, none of that. He came out and basically tried to kick his, <laughs> kick his teeth in. Imagine. Literally the entire War Games match, all Drew McIntyre does is Claymore Jey Uso. That'd like, be great. He eats Jey nine Claymores. <laughs> yeah. Damien Priest is like, help me, Drew. Nope. Claymore seven to Jay. Locked in. Three, two, one. It's just like one side of the ring is everybody, and the other side of the ring is just the two of them. Yeah. Claymore after Claymore. Claymore. <laughs> that and he would does be, the whole countdown. That like would be a great book. Can we get that booked right now? Can it's I get, can it's that a four-on-four in one ring with blood. There's no space <laughs> anywhere. And then it's Jay a, and Drew are just having a 60-minute Iron Man match. He's going to get ring. Claiborne kicked and RKO'd all night. He's going to get it from both sides. Let's keep the attention on Drew a little bit. So let's talk about after War Games. Let's say Drew gets this out of his system, okay? He beats the crap out of Jey Uso, right? It's an uh, Omni-Man and his son kind of deal in the yeah. season finale of the first season. <laughs> Why do you make me do this? <laughs> <laughs> Think, Jay. <laughs> what happens to Drew next? Does he go... After Seth Rollins is a heel, does he revert back into a face? I think you got to full-on commit to the heel turn for Drew oh, McIntyre. Drew? Yeah. I think they're, the way they're doing it is great. It's like a slow burn, and you're really seeing him kind of like test the wa waters of a heel, start to work with the Judgment Day. So I want to see him go full-on heel. I mean, I think that's bound to happen. I, I think, agree. I don't, I don't think he's going to go after Seth, though, again. I think he's going to take care of business I, with Jay first. I think it depends on what Randy does. If Randy comes out... At the end of the match, and you know he's a heel or he's a face, I think Drew will be the opposite. You won't have both of them being heels or both of them being face. One's going to be one, one's going to be the other. And don't be surprised if a feud between those two starts that. I mean, a little spoiler into the uh, predictions later on, but what if the Judgment Day has six members going forward? Andy goes over there. I don't think you could add any more to that group. Oh, I there. love the whole idea that there's more of us than there are. No, you know, we have to keep that gimmick for the Alpha Academy. Yes, I agree. 10 v 10 Survivor Series traditional styles match in two years. The Alpha Academy's at its strength. The Judgment Day's been on top for three years. I promise you the next time we have you on, we will do an entire show dedicated to booking the Alpha Academy versus the Judgment Day at Survivor Series in 2025. It's like Civil War. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll talk about that then. But for now, we're going to move on and we're going to talk about Guta and his Intercontinental Guta. Championship challenger, The Miz, going face-to-face -face before their Survivor Series matchup. So The Miz is just sick and tired of being disrespected. He's the brunt of everyone's joke and he wants to be taken as a legitimate threat. And Gunther just thinks he's a joke who isn't worthy of being in the same ring with him, let alone in a championship match. So Gunther, during this promo in this face-off segment, he was just so quick on his feet. There was a moment where the crowd was chanting, USA, USA. And within a moment's notice, Gunther just responds to the crowd, says, that's the smallest form of some sort of self-identification yelling three random letters at me and shuts the crowd right up. But anyway, the segment ends after The Miz was able to go low on Gunther and then hit the skull-crushing finale. So what did you think about this segment? Do you guys think The Miz has any shot at war games? Let's let's talk about it all. I, I loved the segment. I thought it made Gunther look great, and it made Miz look... Sympathetic? Sympathetic, which is what you're going for. But this is the best face Miz I've seen ever, I think. I think this is the best he's been able to connect with the WWE Universe. He was talking about Intercontinental Champions that inspired him. Gunther referred to him as a weirdo who needed to get bullied more along with the entire WWE Universe. And I think at that moment, I was like... I freaking hate this guy and i i, I want to punch him in the face so that I, I found myself rooting for the miz right there Miz is winning this i don't think he can win it 
Absolutely. I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, Miz is tired of being Mickey the Bull. He wants respect. He wants to be a nine-time champ. He doesn't want to play that, you know, just get kicked in the face. Everyone beats him up. I think he's going to give a great accounting of himself, and he's going to push Gunther to the limit. But at the end of the day, Gunther will come out on top. It's just hard to take the title off Gunther right now because there's no immediate direction for him to do anything else, right? Like, well, if you took the IC title off of him today, he should be in the ma the main event scene tomorrow, but it kind of seems a little full. Well, how do you know that they're not going with that? Because I've been hearing a lot of speculation that he's going to be winning the Rumble this upcoming year. So is he going to be Intercontinental Champion when he wins the Rumble? I mean, it's all speculation. It's all what I've heard. Not for nothing. Gunther is... Too big right now to be the Intercontinental Champ. It makes perfect sense to take the title off of him. I don't know if Miz is the guy. And elevate Gunther to that next level. He could be the guy that takes the title off of Roman, I think. I, I see the potential there for sure. So we'll see, and we'll talk about exactly who we think is going to win that match. I'm going to think about it because I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth right now. I don't really know. So we're going to make our predictions later, a little later on. But Gunther, Miz, face-to-face, -face, is there anything I missed that you guys wanted to talk about? I would like to mention something else as well. There were a couple weeks ago where we had a backstage segment where Miz basically told Gunther that I'm going to do anything I can to make sure I beat you. I mean, we kind of saw it at it with the culmination of him going low. And that is definitely going to be a big part of this match to see how he's a face, but he's going to be do using a lot of heel tactics. It's an excellent point, something that we're going to keep an eye out for. If The Miz is going to win the match, that's how he's going to do it. He's going to cheat. He ain't winning this match clean, that's for sure. Isn't it funny that Even like, the face. cheating gets applauded or booed just based off who the person is? I, I think it's hysterical, actually. You know, it's funny to say this, but The Miz is in the Eddie Guerrero category. He lie, you cheat, you steal. It's the lovable cheater. Yeah, it's 100%. Like, no matter what he does, you're, gonna, you, you're a fan. They're entertaining, and you can't help but root for him and love him. So we'll see what happens. We're going to give our prediction a little later on. But first, let's talk about Nia Jax versus Raquel Rodriguez. So we saw two of the powerhouses from the Raw Women's Division go at it this past week. And Raquel actually lost to Nia after her back gave out. And we all predicted this match beforehand. 0 for 3. All three of us were wrong. So let, let's talk about it. Were you, were you surprised to see Nia Jax pick up this win? I was very surprised. If, if Nia was going to win, I thought it wouldn't have been clean. So to see her win clean, I think, was very interesting booking on WWE's part. I don't think this is the last match between them. I think we're going to get another one. But I wasn't that entertained by the match, honestly. Like, really? I was very entertained. So was I. I think Raquel works better with bigger-sized women. If you go back to her time in NXT with Rhea Ripley, I think those are her best matches, too. And I thought that... Nia kind of manhandled Raquel, and that's something you hadn't seen yet up until this point, so I was very entertained. Going into the match, I was like, okay, let's watch this and get through it. But then as the match went on, I got into it more and more. It jumped up a notch. Absolutely. I'm not disagreeing with that, but I also, I thought Raquel looked way better than Nia. Oh, I so disagree. I so disagree, too. Well, really? Nia looked good, I thought. Yeah, Nia looked great. I didn't great. think Nia looked I was that a great. beast. I thought it was going to be this incredible match, these two powerhouses going at it. Your expectations were too high? I was just watching, and I was like... Oh, that's a cool move. Oh, that was cool. But there wasn't anything that got me out of my seat, which I expected from this When match. Raquel was about to put Nia Jax in a power slam position, that didn't have you like, oh, it man, It did, but exciting. it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But like you just said, you think more is to come. I do. So where is this feud going between Raquel and Nia Jax? How do you see it ending? Who goes on top? What happens? Anything exciting? The fact that Nia won last night, the feud is going to go another couple of matches. So 
biggest storyline you could get out of this is okay we'll have like a mini little feud and we'll put over Raquel just for the reason that hey maybe we push her to win the rumble like this is how we build up momentum but that's wishful thinking if they're thinking that far ahead in my opinion I think this is just like a week-to-week thing that they're just selling like aha let's keep these two big women going at it and wow power slams and wow moving big objects next we're talking about becky lynch and zia lee becky picked up a win over zia lee and personally i think that this could have been zia's best match in her entire wwe career even wade barrett i I think he was being a little hyperbolic but he was on commentary and he said that this was a wrestlemania main event worthy match Win over zia becky ends up winning the match hard fought hard contest what do you guys think about zia's performance in defeat I thought Zaya was incredible last night. She's got everything you want in a superstar. Is it her best match? Yeah. Did I think it was the best thing in the world? No. My thing watching this match is just I just don't see how the Zaya Lee character is going to connect to the audience on a grand stage. She has a great match against Becky Lynch, you know, maybe to put her over. But now you're sending her back to NXT for a championship match. They're trying to get ratings for NXT. That's what it is. Same reason why Becky was on NXT. For oh, you like that match this Zaya Lee girl had? You did? She'll be on tomorrow. Why are we doing this? Ratings. There was a couple years ago where they made NXT the third brand, basically. Now they've gotten away from that, basically saying that NXT is a developmental institution. Basically, that's minor leagues to the main roster. How can you keep flip-flopping these characters going back from NXT to the main roster, back to the main... Can we just be consistent? No, well, here's the thing. They have been consistent because for the longest time, they've been having main roster superstars integrated and working in NXT. Which I don't like. It doesn't matter if you don't like it or not. Your point was, can we keep it consistent? It has been consistent. It has not. Yes, it has been. You're I not... agree with Nate Dogg. No, you're not listening to me, okay? Becky Lynch, Apollo Crews, there have been a bunch of... Tommaso Ciampa was back <laughs> in NXT. Apollo Crews NXT run. Baron Leather Corbin's currently Apollo there right Cruz. now. Natalia was in NXT for a while. There have been main roster superstars working in, NX, working in NXT to help the uh, developmental talent develop. That's I agree with you. I agree with you on that. But they've stayed there. They haven't gone back and forth. That's right. Corbin right now has been down in NXT for months. Correct. Zion last night fought on Lee. Raw, and then tonight she's on NXT. I agree with Nate Dogg. That's a bonehead Well, move. what if she like wins it. the championship, and what if she becomes okay, then, a, then, a member of NXT going forward? Okay, but, but then oh, she just had this great, great match against the man that you you're, you showed her And talent. it propels her into her first championship win. At NXT, but now we forget about her on Raw now? Yeah. We, we don't forget yeah, about okay. her on Raw. She, she's, she, if she wins the NXT belt, you got to forget about her on Raw. No, you won't. She's not going to be on Raw. For uh, for the time being, but she'll be able to build credibility as a champion But why are we NXT? going back and forth? Why is she on, suddenly on Raw, now back on NXT? Isn't NXT the Guys, developmental league? Like, what are we doing here? Who knew we were this passionate about Zia Lee? See, I like that they sometimes put guys back in NXT just because, what, you have your three hours on Raw, you have your two hours on SmackDown, you have a bloated roster. If they don't have time for you at the moment on SmackDown or Raw, they send you down to NXT. How long was Becky on NXT? 41 days as champion. All right, Michael, come on. 41 days as champion on NXT. I believe. It was ridiculous. I hated it. Why did you hate it? Because it was unnecessary. No, I like it because now you get to say that Becky has the NXT title. But she doesn't need it. She's already in the GOAT status. That's like putting Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar or Cody Rhodes on NXT for 40 days. They brought the Undertaker to NXT. Think about what it meant to those NXT superstars to have the opportunity to work with and alongside Becky Lynch. The impression she had on them, invaluable. 
And you want to know what? The impression Zia Lee will have on Lyra Valkyrie is going to help her career moving forward. That's what it's all about. They're integrating their main roster talent to help elevate their developmental talent. So let's move on. And let's talk about the women's fatal four-way tag team oh. number one contender match. Hot take, match of the night. I agree with you right? 100%, dude. 100% match of the night. If we don't know what we're doing with the women's tag team division, screw it. Give me this eight-woman tag match every single week and just have these gimmicky spots and flips and doodahs. This is all and everything you need out of this mid-card of a women's division kind of uh, championship belt. Maxine Dupree and Ivy Nile, my new Fantastic. favorite. New favorite women's tag team. And I was very upset that they didn't get the win. And I kind of knew because of what happened last week with Tegan Knox. And her pinning... Uh, Piper. Piper, thank you. You knew that that's where they were going. And the entire match, I was like, please don't do that. And they went the, the Tegan Knox way, which we thought was going to happen. But let me tell you, I'm excited for Maxine and Ivy Nile to get a, a tag team title run uh, eventually down the road. I did not expect them to be so entertaining so quickly, especially because they hadn't even tagged together. But as soon as Maxine did the Caterpillar, I was like, just shut up and take my money. Sure. Next week, Tegan Knox and Natalia will get their championship opportunity against Chelsea Green and Piper Niven. Match I'm not looking forward to. Yeah, so I got a question about They'll lose. that. What's Natalia's involvement here? I remember there was something with her. She helped Tegan Knox train. I think that's... When I saw Natalia in this match, I'm like, Chelsea Green's a little, a little raw. Tegan Knox a little raw. They're probably going to put Natalia in this match just to kind of coordinate I'm it. tired of seeing Natty. They have so many women now, NXT. They have so many women on the on the roster. It's time for somebody like her just to step I'm up. I'm not a big Natty fan, but like... Are we just fuck Natty? I think we are because I, I don't like her. Do I don't like, like Natty? Either. I thought she should have retired five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't like her. I love Natalia. Oh, wow. wow. She is as reliable as a worker gets in the industry. She wow. is overlooked time and time again. And when you need a classic match, or not a classic a match. A classic? Name I one. said not a classic match. I, I misspoke. When you need a good match, you throw Natalia out there, she'll give you a good match. You need somebody to fill in for a women's championship match? What's Natalia doing? What was Rhea Ripley doing for the first three months of her women's world championship run? She yeah, was fighting Natalia. It's the same story with her. It is, but it's consistent. She's vanilla. She might not be what you want to get, but she's going to taste good going down every time. Natty is when you order a Baconator and you get a Junior Bacon Cheeseburger. That's delicious, too. No, it's not. <laughs> I want three uh. patties. <laughs> All right. Well, we've given the uh, women's tag team division enough talk. So Ludwig Kaiser versus Johnny Gargano. And here's what you need to know about this match. Giovanni Vinci disobeyed Ludwig's orders by appearing at ringside. Originally, Kaiser told Vinci to stay backstage. I can handle this myself. I don't need you helping. But Giovanni, wanting to prove himself to Imperium, wanting to prove himself to Gunther, took it upon himself to go out and try to help Kaiser. Now, this ended up leading to Johnny Gargano getting the win. So, Gunther, once again, was happy that Giovanni took the initiative and disgusted with Ludwig. So, my question for you guys is, do you think Giovanni's going to get promoted and Ludwig's going to get demoted? I don't think he's going to promote him over at Ludwig. I think he's trying to motivate him to get him where he wants to be, his right-hand man. I'm kind of not thrilled with how this storyline is going. You don't love anything over there, Nate. I'm not a fan of how they're doing this. When did it all this start? Giovanni, over the last month, has been the laughing stock of Imperium. He's taken pins. He's been the brunt of all of Gunther's anger, pretty much, yes. okay? Then, two weeks ago, Giovanni 
did something right for the first time. Let's go, Gio! He basically caused Ludwig to pick up a win over Tommaso Ciampa. So because of that, Gunther was happy. He's like, look at you, Giovanni, stepping up, doing good. And he was disgusted with Kaiser that he needed Giovanni's help. So the story's been building for some time now, and I, I want to see them fight. I just think he was put together, like, here. Like, I don't no, think there was no, any no. thought it's, to it. It's been building for a month now. Maybe they're building something here when you think it's unnecessary, but if they're planning to take the title off of Gunther anytime soon, it does cause a rift between these two guys. It could set something up there down the road. He loses the title and then he's enraged, so he forces Giovanni Ludwig to fight for his pleasure, and he's as he just sits there as like an evil James Bond villain. He's just like, whoever wins gets to be my right-hand man. The loser will be the laughing stock of Imperium. I like these three guys together. Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser play excellent henchman roles, and I think there's so much more in the tank to keep them together right now. They don't have to break up because of this story. I know, but yeah, why it, it are just you shows teasing you the, it? it sh they're not teasing it. It shows you, It shows you the inner workings of Imperium, and it shows you the hierarchy. Not a lot of factions have the clear-cut number one guy like Gunther. Like if you look at Judgment Day, they're a faction built around no leaders. But in Imperium, you have your clear one guy, you have your clear two guy, and you have your clear three guy. So they're very different than every other faction. So to see the inner workings and how it all works, I'm very interested in. I think you guys are crazy for not getting invested. What if they just break up immediately and they don't resolve conflict? Like, this is just the start. Is that showing their inner connections? No, there's a power struggle, okay? Despite the fact that Giovanni's been mistreated by Ludwig, he wants to be seen in a golden light in the eyes of Gunther. I think it's interesting. You guys don't, but that's why wrestling's beautiful. We're all allowed to disagree. It's subjective. But you're wrong. Let's finish up by talking about Shinsuke Nakamura and Chad Gable. This was Nakamura completing the sweep of the Alpha Academy. Last three weeks, Nakamura's taken out Akira Tozawa, Otis, and now Chad Gable. This was a great match. I would like to see them revisit it down the line we didn't see nakamura get a decisive victory he didn't hit the kingshasa there was an exposed steel turnbuckle gable had to kind of avoid it and from there nakamura was able to roll up gable for the win so it seemed like they were holding back maybe there's another fight between these guys down the line but i was highly highly entertained by this match and i have a couple of thoughts but before i dive into it i want to just get your overall opinion on the match i thought the match was solid with gable i i didn't like the fact that nakamura went right through alpha academy i told you he would I know he would. I, I saw it too coming, but I didn't like it. What, what does that do for Alpha Academy? What do you do now with Nakamura? He just beat the Academy down. I think, like I said in the last show, Otis and Gable are going to have a falling out, and you're going to see them fight next. Yeah, I am confused on the direction with Nakamura. And these little vignettes they have him doing, it seems like he's alluding to somebody coming in and like him to take them out. I have no idea where they're going with it. So would you consider this... Them pushing Nakamura. This is 100% a push. So you're pushing Nakamura by beating three mid-carters, and he beats them easily, all three, you could say. This was a competitive matchup. I don't know you could say he beat Gable easy. But I think I missed that Tazawa match. I heard it was awesome. It was awesome. It was the shortest in the series between Otis and Gable. And it was fine, but I'll take the Otis match over it, and I'll take the Gable match What do you do with Nakamura now? Where does he go? Like Michael was saying, they've been airing a vignette where he's been targeting someone. I think it's going to be either Sami Zayn or Cody Rhodes. So we're going to see who he goes after. But Why not it, Randy? It could be Randy. It's got to be somebody he gets a win against. He hasn't won a big feud, has he? He could beat Sammy. I think Sammy makes the most sense. We we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week ago. So even if he beats Sammy, then what? 
Whoop de doo. What's Sammy? He's not. He doesn't have a title. It's all about just staying relevant and producing entertaining content. And you know that Sammy and Shinsuke would be able to put on an absolute classic. I, I want to talk about something. Okay. During this match, Michael Cole accidentally called Chad Gable Kurt Angle. Do you think that was an actual accident? It was an accident because he clarified himself a couple of moments later, and he goes, I said Kurt Angle a couple of moments ago. I got that mistake. And my question to you is, who the hell was the guy who came up with the idea to have Jason Jordan be Kurt Angle's son and not Chad Gable? Yeah, that was a big mistake. Jason Jordan and Chad Gable were a part of a tag team. I forget what their Oh, Alpha team. Academy? Yeah, they, no, not the Alpha Academy. No, American Alpha. Somebody had the great idea of let's make Jason Jordan this guy's son. And Chad Gable is almost an exact replica of Kurt Angle. I know. It's, that's <laughs> the actual Olympian who's yeah. amateur wrestling. Yeah, the guy's six foot nine. So I just wanted to I just wanted to point. Made, that storyline made no sense. Oh, it made no sense. Mm -hmm. And he was black. All right. <laughs> I was say, no, like... but I'm just saying, Kurt Angle's wife wasn't black. He's like six nine. Kurt Angle was like five foot nothing. So Kurt five Angle was an abandoned father for thirty all right. years. All right, that, that's our raw recap. Let's uh, let's give it a grade. Why, why don't we all give it a grade, Nathan? Letter grade. Give it a B minus. I'm gonna give it a B. I'm gonna give this show a good A minus. I thought it was a pretty solid show. What was really bad about it? A minus is a high grade. Is it? A minus is a great. It was a good show. It's a ninety one, <laughs> a ninety two. It was pretty entertaining from start to finish. I don't think I really dislike. I'll tell you why. The Randy Orton thing, him not coming out, put it a, a letter below for me. Exactly what what Nate Dogg just said about Randy absolutely knocks it down. It was a letdown. So how do you give something an A, a letdown? Well, I'm not going to give it an A. I'm going to give it a B plus. I still thoroughly enjoyed it. So that was our Raw recap. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with a little bit of news and rumors. Woohoo! Yippee! News and rumors. All right, we're back. We're talking news and rumors. We're going to jump right on into it because the show is already going long. The Undertaker has offered to train Declan McMahon, who is 19 years old and the eldest son of Shane McMahon. Right now, Declan is currently a freshman running back for the Indiana Hoosiers, so we've got some time before the kid makes up his mind. But we, what do you guys think about this news? We need to prepare this kid. you got to keep the McMahon legacy going. Do we want to see Declan become 34-0 and at WrestleMania because The Undertaker trained him? I mean, this really doesn't move the needle for me. Does the kid wrestle? Isn't he a football player? He's a football player currently, but he's got no stats, so he's not getting in the game. And so The Undertaker's going to train him? He might. I think I think that's just the rule. I mean, big picture, if, if I'm working my normal job right now and The Undertaker's like, Mike, I will train you. Who's going to say no? The Undertaker has hand-chosen you, and you're going to go, nah, I'm going to go play backup running back. And Vince McMahon is the Undertaker's dad. They're like, you it's know, like his son. peanut butter and jelly. They're, they're together all the time. Shout so out Uncrustables. It, it's, I guess it's not unfathomable to happen, but <laughs> I don't see it. All right. Okay, moving on. Uh, MJF, he got injured during his match with Jay White at full gear. Apparently, the champ had to have his hip pop back into place after the match. And on top of that, he's also been dealing with a shoulder injury. So, the champ is expected to remain on AEW television, but we might not see him wrestle for some time. Now, if that wasn't enough, Juice Robinson was written off AEW programming on AEW Rampage last week after MJF hit him in the head with a flat-screen TV. Losing Juice Robinson is huge. Mm -hmm. He has to have back surgery and is expected to be out at least until the new year. So, as if that wasn't enough, one of 
AEW's other main talents, Darby Allen, is also expected to miss an extended period of time as he trains to climb Mount Everest. Yes. He's going to train and then climb Mount Everest and is taking a sabbatical of sorts to pursue his dream. So Probably get stuck up there. <laughs> what do you guys think about Darby pursuing? Surprised Darby doesn't want to be there for Sting. You know, it's going to be his last go of it. Oh, that's a very good point, Nate. When is he doing this? Now? Yeah, he's leaving now. And when does he plan on coming back if he doesn't get lost up there? Is Sting not climbing Mount Everest? Sting is 64. Those Mount Everest years are behind him. I just think it's an interesting time to do that when the guy you've been partnering with almost the entire time AEW's been around. No, this is why they brought Ric Flair back. Oh, is that why? Oh, Darby, you want to go climb Mount Everest? No problem. Rick, we need you. <laughs> My real tag team partner is here. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. Holy cow, what I would give to pay and see Ric Flair hit a hot tag from Sting at Revolution 2024. Oh my God. That we, would be electric. That would be awful. Just start slapping himself. He falls over like a fish. Doesn't get up this time. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. But we shall see. So here's a question. With MJF, Darby Allen, Juice Robinson, all... Missing some TV time. Is there any AEW superstar that pops to mind that you'd like to see get showcased, maybe pushed a little more? Give me more Lance Archer. And who are the new guys with him? Oh, the Righteous? Oh, give me them. What about Claudio? Claudio deserves more of a push. Nero. They have a whole bunch of people that they could show and they, they could. But they might not be showing it on TV much longer. What do you mean? Is that your little rumor? It's not a rumor. It's a fact. AEW very well the other night could have cost themselves a tremendous amount of money by losing TV a TV deal. When Adam Page drank Strickland's blood on live TV, a lot of the big executives said this was a no-no. They crossed the line. I got a phone call today from Double H, and I heard that there is going to be a very possibility that AEW lost a TV contract because of this. Is Double H related to Triple H at all? No, it's not. Okay. It's got nothing to do. It's just a coincidence. He's Double H. Double H. Reliable source. Does he sell handbags behind the KFC? This is a problem. Did you see that the other night when he drank Strickland's blood? I did. On live TV, the man drank his blood. Gross. Okay? Little kids, women, all kinds of people were very turned off by this. And the executives in... TV station were not happy with this. I don't think it's enough to pull their TV rights and their TV deals. Like, think about it. AEW right now has two, four, five hours worth of television that they produce a week. You can't just get rid of five hours worth of TV on a dime. You need to replace it with something. So they're not losing their TV rights or deals anytime soon. And you could talk to JR if you don't want to speak to Double H. Because JR also called me and said that. That's an interesting rumor, though. So we'll keep an eye on it. Double H is usually good with this, too. Elsewhere, it appears as though the uh, bidding war of 2024 may have already come to an end in 2023. The belief is that AEW has already secretly signed MJF to a contract extension through 2027. So if this is true... I'd be so heartbroken. Why? Because you want him in WWE? So you're telling me that there is no way that MJF went to WWE and said, what are you going to offer? He might have, but Tony Khan's locked him up, I guarantee it. The rumors at this moment are that WWE has not had contact with MJF. See, that's a mistake by MJF. You got to go see what's out there. Not necessarily. Not if Tony Khan's throwing a boatload of money at him. There's no reason to. You're be telling me WWE can't throw him that same load? Uh, 
I think MJF knows that he wouldn't work in WWE as well as he works in AEW. I'm not saying he wouldn't work in WWE. He's too much of a loaded cannon for WWE. I agree. So I think that this is the best move on his part, if it is true. It's just disappointing because it felt like the bidding war of 2024 had been built up for years. If you look at the all-out poster for next year, MJF is not on it. So if they had a deal secretly done, don't you think he'd be on the poster for That's it? That's why he's not on it. Because it's a secret deal. They put him on it. There's no secret no more. You're not going to put your biggest superstar when you know you have a deal. That's on, on TV every week. You don't need to put him on a poster. You're building suspense because the idea is, is he going to sign with AEW? We don't know. Now, they may have come to a deal behind closed doors and he might already be locked in. There's no reason to put him on the poster. You could add him later. As much as I love MJF, he's one of my favorite wrestlers. I think he's tremendous. He's not a good fit for WWE. He's too hardcore. Look at WWE's audience, all the kids and families. You don't see that in AEW's audience. I think he could fit, but I think he's a better fit in AEW. So, do so, I. so we'll do leave I. that there. And while we're talking I about AEW, we got one more piece of news, and then we're going to take a break. Tony, I know you're getting a little tired over there. Very tired. It's okay. We, we got Exhausted. one more piece of news, and then we're going to take a break. Oh, I got to soak my teeth. At AEW's pay-per-view event, Full Gear. Dolph Ziggler was backstage, and the growing speculation is oh. that the show-off may soon be all elite. So my question for you guys is, do you want to see Dolph Ziggler join AEW? And then, if yes, what is his ceiling in AEW? I'm just going to go with a quick left turn and say no. This used to be a product that was all about pushing future and upcoming talents. And as of the last year or two, they just get in. <laughs> quick fix. If Dolph Ziggler is in AEW, could he be a world heavyweight champion? No, tag team champ, maybe. I don't think world He'll hold heavyweight. the TNT title. So he's Christian's successor? Not even. AEW is not doing themselves any favor with all these old So you talent. guys don't want to see him in AEW? The other AW? night, Sting was fighting Jericho and who else was in the ring? Hold on, wait, Tony. They were like 400 years old if you added them up. All right. Do you not want to see Dolph Ziggler in AEW? I love Ziggler, so I wouldn't mind seeing him, but I don't think it's going to do anything for AEW long term. I disagree with them 100%. I'm with you. I, I, I think this is a great move for AEW. This is a star in WWE. He had one major title, and he never got the big main event push. I think AEW will give that to him, and I think he will do really well with it, and I, I'm really looking forward to this signing. I just wish it was the signing that Tony Khan was talking about instead of it being Will Ospreay. So this is all a rumor, and it's you know we're speculating, but if that does happen, it'll be interesting to see where the show-off goes in AEW. How funny was Will Ospreay signing? We're going to bring out Will Ospreay tonight. We have a big, big signing. And then you find out he's not going to wrestle for four months. Yeah, because he has to finish his New Japan wrestling How deal. stupid was that? <laughs> That's just another Tony Khan, I'm a bubblehead move. Tony Khan has a major announcement. And then it comes out and he's like, I have just partnered with KFC for Darby Allen action yeah, figures. Yeah. Tony Khan is quickly turning into the boy who cried wolf. Every single week he's got the next biggest announcement. Exactly. And all it is is announcing record-breaking ticket sales or that they've signed Will Ospreay, who will be debuting in Record-breaking ticket sales? They had 200,000 people view Friday night? So they need Dolph Ziggler. So we're, let's leave that there. They got less people than we have people listening to our show. Let's take a little break and we're going to be back uh, doing our Survivor Series predictions and closing the show in a moment. What's going on, you guys? Today's episode is brought to you by napping. If you're tired of dealing with the day-to-day -day grind, say f*** it and hit the snooze button. Napping is a great way to avoid your problems and dream about the life you wish you had instead. Whether you don't want to go to work, forgot to do an assignment, or are just feeling like blowing off plans, napping is always an option. 
Who wants to work a nine to five when you can be drinking an ice cold beverage on the beach in your dreams? And here's the best part. If you struggle napping, there are so many different types of sleeping pills you can take that will knock you right out. We won't mention any specific brands until a very expensive and very lucrative business partner gets back to us with a contract. So until then, if you don't want to deal with anything, try napping. But before you jump into bed, you're going to want to finish this episode. So let's get back to the show. All right, we are back and we are finishing up here on episode four. Very pretty good episode so far, I have to say. Absolutely. In musky land, yes. Yeah, it is a little musky in here. Very musky in here. Yeah, we took a break. We went upstairs. The air is dense. I'm smelling smelling musk. I'm smelling men. We got four (laughs) large It's a raining man. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's a raining man. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so anyway, what we're talking about now is our predictions for Survivor Series. So if you guys remember from our last episode, Nathan, Tony the Father, and I are in a competition of sorts. We're going to be keeping track of our predictions, and whoever has the worst record after a pay-per-view will have to pick a shame out of our bowl of mayhem. Spooky. You know what the worst shame is that I, I hope I don't pick it? I, I dread this. I At night, I, I get real nervous like I might pick this. You might miss breakfast. I picked out of the bowl of shame a mask of Anthony, and I got to wear it. Oh, my God. I hope is that the nickname? The last time I checked the Twitter poll, it was 50-50. The poll is still up there, so please go and vote. It's between the producer and Ugly. Please choose the producer. But if you want to choose Ugly, you're more than welcome to. We're at It's Real to Us on Instagram. But you're going to be going to Twitter, X. Please just vote, just but don't, you know, be, be kind. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about our predictions right now. So going into tonight, Nathan is one and two, Tony is one and two, and I am two and one. So from all this past week, Nate and I guessed Becky Lynch correct. Tony took Xia He was incorrect. I got robbed. I like it. All of us were wrong with Raquel Rodriguez over Nia Jax one, and we all got that one wrong. Titanic hit the iceberg, went down. And... Yeah, Tony and I were right, guessing Shinsuke Nakamura would defeat Chad Gable. Nathan and his hypothesis for Nakamura joining the Academy have been proven false. Oh. We also have one more match that we've already taken account for. Damian Priest and Finn Balor versus the Street Profits. Myself and Nathan have taken the Street Profits, and Tony has taken the Judgment Day. So we'll see what the records are going into Survivor Series. But as of now, I am in the lead and not at all concerned about the Bowl of Mayhem. So, with that being said, we're going to do our Survivor Series predictions right now, and I will go ahead and log them. So, let's start with the men's War Games match. Who you got and why? I'll take Team Cody. I will take them just because I hope they win. I really don't know. I think it could go either way. With us being big fans, you usually kind of see which way WWE is leaning. With this match, I really don't know, but I'm just going to take Team Cody just because Randy's returning. I love Seth. I love Sami Zayn. And screw the Judgment Day. I'm definitely taking the Judgment Day. I'm looking at this with Randy returning. I got a feeling this match is going to turn into a six-on-four match. Elaborate why. Those are Jey Uso. Six-on-four. Somebody's going to take out Jey Uso, and it might might be Randy, his part. I think Judgment Day wins this match. Imagine Randy Orton. He's the last guy to come in, and he just gets to the ring. And first thing he does, he gets in, he looks at everybody, and he just goes, Shh. And Jay, and he just goes like, fuck, he starts wailing on him. And then everybody's like, what's going on? <laughs> year and a half sidelines because of him. It makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah, in reality. So, Mike, we'll, we'll keep track of your record, too. Who are you going with? Uh, I think I'm going to take the Judgment Day. I think they're going to look a little strong here. I'm going to keep up with Drew uh, working with them. 
Okay, Michael's going with the Judgment Day. And just to make it an even split, and because I'm excited to root for Andy Orton, I too will go with Team Cody. Let's go. So now we're going to transition, and we're going to talk about the women's War Games match. So you have Damage Control versus Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, and Shotzi. Which, let's talk about that for a minute. Shotzi is just the biggest wild card. Yeah. And Agreed. outcast. She just, like, does not belong there. Yeah. So who are we taking in that uh, I'll start. I'll, I'll take damage control uh, in that one. Just makes a lot of sense. It seems like they're pushing damage control, especially with them adding Asuka and Kyrie Zane. So I'm going damage control here. I'm going with Team Charlotte. I think this is a match where Bailey is going to be ousted of damage control, and I got a feeling she's going to do something to lose or something's going to happen that causes them to lose, and she's going to be to blame, and I think this is when she gets ousted. I am going to go damage control with Nathan. I agree that this could be the moment that they kick Bailey out of the group, but I think they're going to use her to win this match. Then when they don't need her, they're going to get rid of her. So the only reason they're together right now is because they need the extra body in War Games because Dakota Kai is hurt. After they get what they need from her, and that's a win at War Games, they're going to dump her. Yeah, that makes a whole lot more sense. If they're going to turn on Bailey, now doesn't make it much sense because Dakota Kai is not going to be yeah they need the body for war games yeah exactly so you I'm going to put you down for damage control yeah give me damage control All right, 3-1 oh I should also mention I forgot to Survivor Series matches are going to be worth double points ooh I like like it next we have Santos Escobar versus Carlito spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool I'm going to kick this one off just to kind of change the routine and I'm going to take Escobar I think that this Heel run needs to kind of start with a bang. You have to give him a win right out of the gate. Carlito, it's kind of weird to say like Carlito's bulletproof, but I think he kind of is at this point. What do you mean he's bulletproof? He can take a pin, but he's still a legitimate threat in the mid card. I, he's not bulletproof, but I think no matter what, he's going to be credible because he's got history within the company. The fans, myself, and everybody's going to want Carlito to win, but this is where you see classic, oh, we got to push the guy who's just turned. I'm going to take Santos. Okay. Tony, you're up. I got Escobar all the way. It's an easy one. That's a lock. kind of agree with all of you. I'm going to take Santos as well. I right. think it makes sense. We all have Santos across the board, and now we're looking at another match that I think we're going to have across the board as well. Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark for the Women's World Championship. I think this is going to be another sweep, and I'm just going to kick it off quick with Rhea Ripley. Yeah, Rhea's going to dog Zoe. Zoe's got no chance. <laughs> I'm a fan of Zoe, big yeah. fan. I like Zoe too, but I, just, I'm no sorry. Chance. No yeah. chance. This is no like, shot, Rhea, all the way. It's mommy's world. Yeah, mommy. mommy's world. And mommy's all... always on top, guys. Mommy's. I wish mommy was on top of me. <laughs> all right, let's let's get this back on track, though. We didn't finish the predictions for Rhea Ripley's Zoe Stark, so let me just go around again. I'm taking Rhea. Oh yeah, I think we all hammered the rebomb. I am taking the fabulous Rhea. Ripley. Mommy's always on top, so Rhea. All right, great. And our final match that we're going to predict, it is the Intercontinental Championship match, The Miz versus Gunther. Nathan, I'm going to kick it over to you. I hate that you started with me. All right, Tony, Um, I'm going to kick it over to you. (laughs) Kick it with me. Unfortunately, there's a lot of locks in this tournament. There might, will there be a surprise? We have just went through a couple matches, and we're like, yeah, it's guaranteed. This is easy. Okay, next, next. Is this the surprise of the day? Does The Miz take Gunther's belt, and Gunther goes on to beat Roman down the road? Is this how it begins? 
Are you asking me or telling me? Yeah, I'm thinking out loud. I will take Gunther, but very possible that I'm wrong. I'm going to take Gunther. I think it's a lock. I don't really think the Miz is going to bring too much to the table. I jokingly said Miz earlier because that's how little I think his odds are of winning. I don't know who takes the belt off Gunther. That's the thing. Because when you have a title reign that's this long and prestigious, you can't just have a guy like the Miz take it. I completely disagree. In fact, I'm just going to stake my claim right now. The Miz is going to win and beat Gunther at wow. Survivor Series. He's going to become a nine-time champion. He's going to tie Chris no Jericho's shot. record because he will do whatever he has to to win. doesn't matter if he's going to go low. doesn't matter if he has to grab the tights. doesn't matter if he has to put his feet on the top rope. The Miz will upset Gunther and give him his first pinfall loss in WWE at Survivor Series this weekend. No shot. I, I agree with you 100%, Anthony. I think Gunther loses. I think Gunther goes on to win the Royal Rumble. I think he goes on to face Roman Reigns and defeats Roman Reigns to become the new Universal Champion. So you're going Miz with me? Yeah, I'm going Miz with you. Nathan, you and I have the exact same predictions, and you are one game behind me at the moment. So <laughs> you're screwed unless you want to change something in Audible. No, right that now. means Tony can still come in last. Tony That's right. Nate. Yes, but I'm just saying, there's no way win, I can lose. I'm fine now. <laughs> so I'm cool with that. As long as you are. I went with what, what the heart wants. All right, hey, let's, let's, let's do it. You fun. know what that means? It means that we are great WWE fans. Yeah, we're in sync. Nathan's yeah. fine with this because he's been coming in last in fantasy football for years, so he's, he's just trying to not hey, lose. I had one good year last year, and then it went, oh, oh shit. He's my two freaking first round pick. All right, well, that is it for the Survivor Series predictions. Uh, anything else you guys want to maybe mention about Survivor Series before we uh, you know wrap this baby up? My big thing... I actually wrote this down in my notes, something I want to talk about. War games matches. Are they overrated? Oh, yes, absolutely. Right? Um, I miss the traditional five-on-five five Survivor Series matches. So in, in that sense, I wouldn't say they're overrated. I, I would just say that they're not necessary. I feel like we're just forcing it in at Survivor Series each year. I, I like what Triple H did when he came in and he took over control. He was like, we're done with Hell in a Cell as the pay-per-view. When the Hell in a Cell is appropriate for a feud, we'll have it culminate in Hell in a Cell. I would like that to be the case for War Games and not have it just happen because it's at Survivor Series, you know? Yeah, I feel like this lines up way better to have a Survivor Series match than a War Games match. Yeah, I agree. It's want not that. like it's a blood feud, but it's like... I don't know, Survivor Series matches were sick. I think I think Triple H just like that's his thing. You know, and NXT kind of revitalized the war games and he saw the popularity of it and he's like, I just want to keep this baby around. All right, so that's our Survivor Series full predictions. Tony's gonna end the show by asking a question. If you could be one wrestler in the whole world, who would it be? Currently or all time? Currently. We're talking about wrestling in general, not just strictly WWE? No, it could be AEW, could be WWE. You could be one wrestler and give me the reason why. I will take Roman Reigns. I don't think it's going to be a surprise. I love Roman Reigns. I think he's the best wrestler in the world. I'm, I also think he's a stud. I could get any woman I wanted if I looked like Roman I, Reigns. I would never want to be Roman. Why would you not want to be Roman Reigns? He doesn't have the best health lineage. You know oh, that's what? a good point. Yeah. <laughs> two, two it's not like that. That stuff comes back. Yeah. Two-time cancer survivor. Yeah. I don't know if I want to risk that. I'll totally take the risk. Uh, I get the uh, private jets. I get the champion service. It's all it's all the luxuries that come with being the champ. I get to be the dude, too. And you get the chemo, too. Nate, dog, you're <laughs> up. See, so I took it a different... It's messed up. Different, I, it's more of 
who I see myself as WWE superstar. Not oh, I know this be. answer. Can I can I take a guess? Yeah, who, who well, do you I have think a guess. Too? Okay, we'll all take a guess. Do you want to guess first? I'll guess if you don't want to guess first. Oh, I know I have two. Okay. All right. Well, you got to choose one. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna guess Otis. I was thinking Otis. That uh, I'll say Owens. Owens was my other option. Uh, it's got to be Gable. <laughs> it was actually KO. Oh, okay. <laughs> KO, it was actually KO. Why I, KO? Because so when I thought about it, so I was like, Nate's okay, scrappy. So, so like who? Nate is scrappy. Who do I think I would be most like if I was an actual WWE superstar? I think I'd be like Kevin Owens. Good pick. Good pick. I love KO. All right, Tony. Who you oh, got? Mikey P's up. My original thought was John Morrison for that he has washboard abs. Something you wish you had. However. Noam Dar currently holds. Oh, no. Who? Noam Dar. What the hell is Noam Dar? Noam He's the Dar. Heritage Cup winner. The guy, oh, is this the, that Heritage the Cup? The man shit holds about the Heritage Cup. I apologize, everyone. You're, you're about to lose what 10 minutes of your life. What is the Heritage Cup? <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to get back. What is the Heritage Cup? Anthony, are you familiar with the Heritage Cup? The Heritage Cup is a five-round, three minutes per round, Match. So you wrestle for three minutes. If you pick up a fall, you keep track, but you have to go th- all, through all five rounds. Where do they have Kind of like five mini Iron It's in NXT. Uh-huh. It's a oh, match. NXT has it. Where oh, that's right. I remember seeing it. You get this giant so Stanley Cup, and you carry it around until you lose in this match. And and who won this uh, Who won this cup? This little... I think he's from Israel. His Is name is Noam Dar. Yeah, he's the Heritage Cup champion. Has he been like the Heritage Cup for? I feel like he's been the Heritage Cup guy for a while. Oh my God, who the <laughs> hell cares? Listen, sleep on NXT. So well, you wanted to be Noam Dar? You're Noam Dar. Yeah, we get the Heritage Cup. The Heritage Cup champion, Noam Dar. Thank you, everybody, for joining us and listening. We really appreciate the support. If you like the show, please support us on our social channels at It's Real to Us. Peace out. Thank you. Till next time. The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy and the man on the moon. What you gonna do when you forget the words? Bye-bye.